Hello and welcome to Court and Call, episode 13, my conversation with Alejandro Nicholson. Delighted this edition to sit down and talk with the fantastic playwright, actor and director and all around talented writer Alejandro Nicholson. I'm sure most of you are familiar with his work, not only through no drama, but in his other endeavours as well. He has created some fantastic pieces for stage, for film and also for radio and we're going to be discussing that all in detail past, present and the future. We're also going to be discussing uh, surrealism, elements of his work, methods for writing and his new book as well. So please stick around and join us for this wonderful conversation. And I am delighted to say that this week joining us on Court and Call is the very talented and I might add award nominated playwright Alejandro Nicholson. He's no stranger to the podcast he was on before. We are delighted to welcome him back. Welcome Alejandro. Sean, very happy to be here, as, as always. Oh, thank you. No, my pleasure, Alejandro. Thank you for, for joining us. We have so much to talk about since the last time we met on uh, the podcast, I spoke on the podcast. You've been, uh, been busy writing away, directing, publishing books, uh, being nominated for awards, <laughs> being revered <laughs> at festivals, lots of stuff happening. And last <laughs> week, of course, we had the honour and the privilege of debuting and previewing um, Games, your latest radio play. And I guess we'll just start talk, get started by talking about games. Uh, such a wonderful, wonderful piece. What was the inspiration behind that? Well, actually, games. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed doing games, especially because while Wife from Greenland, that is the, the other radio play that I wrote, sure. was an adaptation of a, of a stage theater. Okay. Uh, game, games was written for radio so the, since the moment I started writing I had the in my mind I have a, the radio the medium and actually that started with an exercise in scribbles you okay. know the this no drama um, writing group that we have yeah. and and it started with an exercise I don't remember who did it but um, actually most of the plays that I've been working recently came from this kind of exercise like it's, it's usually a 20 minutes exercise, a really small scene. And yeah. from that, I, I, I wrap a play around it, almost yeah. to justify the use of the same. It's a good way to get started when you're kind of stuck or, or suffering from, I guess, quote unquote, writer's block. Um, even if you're in a <laughs> bit of a dry spell, because I've, I've written stuff from, from previous writer's groups or scribblers meetings, as it's now known. Um, and kind of it's not that when you're kind of forced or not that you're put under pressure to write but when you have a basic idea even if it's a line or something you can be amazed sometimes if you actually just sit down and think about it what can can come out of it if you get the the, the wheels in your brain turning and, and you can come up with even a rough outline uh, and adapt it down further that's amazing uh, I know the play games and wife on Greenland too uh, both were really really well received got a lot of feedback a lot of people listening all over the world in over 35 countries of the boat pieces. Um, really, really enjoyed it. Get fantastic feedback. Loved the, the, the dark and suspenseful nature of it as well. And it was really, really, although it was tense, but it was entertaining and, and gripping as well. You know, it really kind of sucked the listener in, uh, which is always a good thing. So, so well done again on that. Thank you. And I, actually with games was a bit... Um, so it's quite different to what I usually write because I always yeah. I like to go to dark places. Yeah. But there's always some humor there. Sure. But on on games, I went all over for the kind of more 
quote unquote serious, you know, sure. uh, which, which I like because I think also comedy is serious. But but you know what I mean, kind of sure. like embrace the the this kind of abuse and, and this kind of guilt of the character without gotcha. like looking for so which comedy to light the thing up. Exactly, it's like acknowledging and, and, and the the problem and and the situation that is going on, but in the meantime, in between, there's almost a not a subplot, but a subdiversion of a comedy element in other areas, or it can be vice versa. If someone writes a comedy play, I think with some of the pieces I've done, it's, it's the other way around. It's like the comedy part is in your face, but there is an underlining seriousness there mm -hmm. of something that's, you know, a, a mental problem <laughs> or in some of the pieces or whatever kind of problem, you know, with the comedy thing. So you can, you can work kind of both ways with it. And especially with the radio stuff, because I mean, Whether you're writing for, for theater or radio, I guess it does come down to the same kind of objectives. And that's one main element of that would be to grab the audience from the start. They always say, don't take too long to get started into the main action of a play. And I think with radio, that is very, very vital because even people have been telling me, be it radio plays or any kind of format of radio, be it shows and stuff, you know, make it snappy. It has to be kind of quick and get to the point quick, which in theater, you could probably take your time a little bit more. But some of the plays we have read And, and some of them just, you know, they have great opening scenes. Your plays are included in that. Um, and then we've kind of looked, we've been looking over some stories and, and I have just in my own kind of personal kind of hobby kind of wise, just looking out over other plays, just as a general kind of thing, but person who reads a lot of plays and reads a lot of stuff for theater, you know, and sometimes they don't push the story forward enough and it doesn't kind of shine through in the rest of the play. And these are some of like famous plays as well. Some plays we read are more like, they're more like novels, I guess. And they use too much narration. But with a play, I mean, there has to be, you have to get to the point. And in a way, you can keep it loose, but it has to be kind of on the money, on the on point, you know? Exactly. And I agree that, especially in radio play, uh, you need to get there to keep the attention of the listener, you know? Yeah, Because in a theater, you have the advantage that the guy sitting there is dark. You cannot use your cell phone. So you have the full attention. But on the radio, maybe this, the, uh, the, the people listening are cooking or are walking around. So, and another thing I found uh, challenging on radio is that on theater, I mean, I'm sure you had the same experience with your play, that you write it with something in mind, and then you put it on stage and people are laughing in weird places or yeah. unexpected places. And the most... The, the more you do the play and repeat it, you kind of tune it according to the reaction of the audience. Yeah, very much so. Very much and, so. And that's something that 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 I miss that in radio plays, not to have the feedback, the instant feedback. Sure, of, sure. Of the There's no applause at the end of it, so to speak. And if there is, you can't hear it. You know, <laughs> maybe people may be applauding to themselves at home. But yeah, it, it does leave a little bit <laughs> void in a way. And what you're saying about that, I mean, I've often written places and there's pieces you write where you're supposed to have laughter and it gets the genuine laugh and that's brilliant. But then there's other kind of parts where people kind of do laugh and you're kind of saying they have someone in their own personal experience has found something in that line or in that moment funny to them. So if it works, it works. I mean, however serious or dark or funny or comedic or comedic or the, the piece is about. And I guess when you're writing something that is personal to yourself, You know, you have to think about what you're trying to tell the world and why does, <laughs> does the play matter? Why does this content matter? Write something that is personal 
And I guess in, a, in your own, I don't want to say sly way, but in a subtle kind of way, you want the world to know. I think that's kind of like a stream of consciousness that does come through most writers anyway. And this is a chance to tell the world something about you and your world that's important to you, or maybe even something that you've heard from someone else. Or maybe you're trying to, you know, relay the situation from another person, you know, and get their story or their, their moment out there. But I think if you don't want to write about the world, you know, bring what you know to the world and write it about, write about it. If you want to write about a historical event, think about how you're going to tell the audience something new about it, something they wouldn't have heard, or especially if it's a well-worn story, something that's really famous, people know already. Because this good drama is simply, it's not just one idea about what happens when two ideas collide. You know, it's, it's an hour long, you know, if, or in you know, 50, 60 minutes, that gives you a lot of time to develop a plot. And then alternatively, even if, you have, if you're lucky, a subplot. <laughs> that's interesting. I was just, just talking with a friend of mine uh, she's from Colombia and she's also yeah. a writer. And we were talking about um, writer's block. Yeah. And it's true that for me, at least a lot of times I have an idea, but I don't know where I'm going or like you say, what do I want to say? Mm-hmm. But the moment that you find that, the moment you find that, that direction, that compass, it's like everything points to the right place. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just like drinking water, you know, everything just come out. Um. I have an experience that I'm, I'm writing another radio play now at the moment, also inspired in a, in a scribble exercise. Excellent. And something interesting happened. Um, I knew where I wanted to go. And the moment I start putting words on paper, the, the characters went in another direction mm-hmm. that actually liked more. So like, like the character itself show me kind of what they wanted to say, you know, in a way. Mm-hmm. And they brought, they brought like the plane in like the plot in a whole different direction. Okay. And, and I think that's so nice. It's so nice when you yeah. start to discover the story as, as, and this sensation of when you finally discover what you want to say, oh, I love, that's I think what yeah. I love about writing the most. It's like an awakening almost. It's kind of like, yay. It's like, like something like, it's like, the idea of the, the light bulb going off, like, ding. it's like, uh, yeah, yes. you know, it's, it's a very free exactly. experience. It can weigh you down, especially if you get, if you think too much about it and you're, you know, you're really yeah. over analyzing and saying, I have to do this, I have to do this. I think sometimes if you just put it to one side and say, all right, we'll deal with it another time. And, and if, if, if it, like a scribbler's meeting, it can, it can, something can just trigger it. I don't know. Maybe it's been around other creative people or, or a creative environment as well that subconsciously does something to your own mind to kind of to say, all right. <laughs> Brings it out in you. But I guess as well, and with subplots and, and, you know, opening new scenes up that you're thinking of or the writer is thinking of, it's important to vary with the pace and the length of the scenes. And I think a lot of people find that tricky, with, especially with radio, because especially if they're first time doing something for radio or something for audio, at least, if it may not be a, a quote unquote traditional radio play, but it's a, in a podcast form or a form that's not visual, that's only heard. And I guess a radio play, which maybe has five, ten scenes. If it was really long, which would be kind of long enough for, well, maybe some of our scenes have plays. Have, some of them would have five or six scenes. It depends really on the length of the play and what's, what's happening. Mm-hmm. If they have scenes, I'd say one was just said, each of them are set like in a dining room, per se, in one place. It's likely mm-hmm. to be effective as a play, which varies its scenes and settings, you know, using the variety mm-hmm. of, of lengths in the scene. And you can imagine kind of the variety of backgrounds. And then if you're putting sound effects on that, it will make the story effective to the listener. Uh, and I, I thought games mm-hmm. done that a lot. I mean, because it, it varied in the story, but it cut back to the present, it cut back to the past. 
it was very clear what was happening because I know I've heard pieces like that in the past from other people and it's not always clear when the scene changes or when the situation changes. And I thought you, you really, really nailed that one on the head. It was fantastic. And then the subtle sound effects, even if it was just a rain, I think things like that are very soothing. It gives a rhythm and a texture while the actors are enhancing their voice and making the play sound distinctive at the same time. Yeah, actually, that, that was that was a challenge because like I produce Wine from Greenland and also um, Games. Yeah. Games was directed by Terry. Amazing. Yeah. Shout out uh, to Terry. But yeah, great job. Uh, but uh, in Wine from Greenland, well, the, the sounds were more uh, in your face, you know, they were mm-hmm. more more prominent. But yeah. the games, they were so subtle. I swear, I spent, uh, I don't know how many hours looking for sounds of an empty room. Yeah. Be- because there's videos of 10 hours of an empty room, and there's a difference between radio silence, so complete silence, yeah. and an empty room. It's so subtle, but you can notice. Yeah. Yeah, like the places, the, the like in 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 games, you have I had a storm that was crazy to find. Yeah, but then I have like a room and an abandoned house and an apartment. How you distinguish that? Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's, it was subtle. But um, I had to say one thing: I really like our radio plays. The production process is so much fun. It's really, really, it's really fun. It is interesting. And we're going to have, no drama, we're going to have plenty of radio and audio pieces coming up as well, not only for the podcast, but in outside situations too, especially with the likes of Seminar and, and such, and maybe some of the other productions. We'll have to wait and see and, and have all that confirmed down the line, what the production status will be throughout the year, what the situation we're in with COVID and stuff, how that's going to pan out. Mm-hmm. But I just think we, we've had some people sending us in some fantastic stuff, not only necessarily plays, but like story readings and alternatives to plays. And it's, you know, you could, you could spend the rest of your life adapting new ways to tell a story through plays and through all kinds of audio and it's something that we're definitely going to look into and try and kind of maybe enhance it a little bit more and create something ourselves and hopefully the scribblers can be involved and you know all, the, all of this is a new mm-hmm. learning curve for a lot of us um so it, it, you know it's endless possibilities that you you could you could go down many avenues with it and the main thing about the whole lot of those different different variations of a listening piece i guess it's just the structure make sure the structure it keeps people listening now think about the beginning, the middle and the end of the piece. I think that's always vital in no matter what you write in theatre, if it's radio theatre mm-hmm. or even video theatre, YouTube stuff like the Shindigs pieces, even at least and for a straight up theatre, you know, it has to have that basic beginning, middle and an end, the structure, the arc, mm-hmm. you know. And think about what it's going to grab the audience in the first, you know, few moments or even you're reading a script. If it's a script reading kind of situation, the first 10 pages and then as the, the piece, the play unfolds, they should keep listening and to draw them in and draw them in and then think about how the situation in your play develops and changes through the middle and even how the situation has evolved. Check that it doesn't feel predictable. Use the element of surprise. Mm-hmm. Audiences can be listening at different points throughout the piece and you need to think about how it'll hook them throughout the story. Even if someone comes in halfway through it, it'll make them want to listen, finish it off and then hopefully go back and listen to it from beginning mm-hmm. to end. And your pieces are really, really mm-hmm. getting stronger. You know, we had box, boxes, then we had Wine from Greenland and now Games. Mm-hmm. And then we have the, the upcoming one. We'll talk about the upcoming one in a little while. But, but it's like a stairway. They're getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And it, they're really, really getting really fantastic. And I know some of them were, we talked before about how they were kind of the trilogy, kind of box boxes and um, I think Wine from Greenland. There was a little bit of a trilogy thing going on there. They were kind of connected in, in a subtle, <laughs> very subtle way under the one, one umbrella almost kind of. 
Yeah, I think that um, one way, someone once said that we always write one story. We, keep re- we have our personal story and we keep repeating. And I see that, that I keep coming to the same topics, you know, the same questions I have. Right. Like the, the, the trilogy was actually was a, a work in progress. Okay. The visit. Yes. That, those two I did in, um, in the Shindig. Yes, and, that's the one I'm thinking uh, of. I'm getting one from sorry. Exactly. <laughs> 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 um, and actually, yeah, now I have like box boxes and box <laughs> yeah i'm i'm i don't know if it's trilogy but i was just messing around with the, with yeah. the title but um i think i think that it's like there's a couple of questions that uh, i mean i'm sure you have it in, in your pieces right that even if you don't notice there this topic that keep coming up is this mm-hmm. this um this doubt that you have that you want to ask that that you want to research you know through the mm-hmm. characters yeah and no, definitely. And I think like when you were talking about like writing a play, I think it's very interesting when you notice that in your work mm-hmm. because it gives you some certain direction and certain yeah. inspiration to... Uh, you, you can start to understand what uh, wakes up your curiosity and then you try to find new ways of saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, I found it really... It's very interesting. It is an interesting topic because it's not like you're just repeating the same stuff over and over again. It's it's different, but there's a running theme throughout, and it's that kind of. It's almost like a suite. You can have a suite in music, mm-hmm. you know, a suite in film, and it, it's an interesting topic to have a kind of a suite in in theater, which is something that you don't really mm-hmm. see or hear too much about. And some people in your situation would call it surrealist, or it's kind of has an element of surrealism about it how do you find that is that something you you think about kind of going into the situation or is it just how it ended up or is it surrealism and surrealist theater like you know dadaism and those those type of topics is that is that something that would interest you and does it inspire you are are you kind of do you like those pieces from the 20s and 30s and so forth definitely i like i really like absurdist theater like uh, unesco beckett of course yeah and um Actually, uh, my wife's Amy always tells me that uh, I should try to write like a normal piece with normal people, that normal thing happens, but I can't. It's like, like I, I think I'm physically unable to do it. And, uh, and it's definitely surrealism. And also there's something called a magic realism. I don't know. It's, um, okay. it's a South American uh, style, like Garcia Marquez. Uh, and then okay, Borges, Cortázar, and it is kind of this. It's like a realistic set, okay. And fantastic happens, but the characters do, don't react to that as being fantastic, you know. Right. Yeah. So if someone starts flying, if it's a fantastic story, uh, they will be ah, oh, was funny or science fiction. But in this, they will complain because it's dinner time and you shouldn't fly or float in dinner time. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever way it's working for you it's working because I mean they're, they're being well received and I mean when surrealist theatre first came to prominence in the early 20th century or whatever it wasn't received with great enthusiasm from critics you know for the most part they seemed to keep it at arm's length and thought it was weird and strange and they didn't wish, wish to condone what they called uncivilised displays on stage and continuously asserting that it must be only 
phase, you know, this is a fad, it won't last, it, it, it'll pass. But I think more and more and more theatre pieces coming up throughout the modern age, it seems to be, you know, it, it's here to stay and it's been well received. And you're a testament to that as well. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, I don't know, I would have thought that, I mean, I, I like naturalistic theatre and, mm-hmm. and actually enjoyed watching and everything. But uh, I, I, for me, writing was always like create a world. And um, I don't know, I like, I, like, I, I like having characters and try to put them to certain things. Yeah. And for some reason, all those things for me, they, they come with some surrealist effect or, or bending reality to see what would happen. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's an, inter- it's an interesting way to, to write it as well. I think especially as well if you're, having, if you're not specifically writing it for radio. I know some of your pieces you had written before and they weren't necessarily radio pieces per se and you reworked them for radio. And I guess you have to remove references to stage or film or video or whatever kind of method you used mm-hmm. before. I think if you're thinking about submitting a stage play that you're written, I would say this to people and encourage them to do this as well. It's worth going through to make it radiophonic, they say. Some things just don't work on radio. But I think if you have a piece that you think would well, definitely give it, a, give it a shot, give it a try. I know you have to be more descriptive with, with the characters and with the situation, but, but I definitely think it's worth for people to look, to look into and, and see if they can do it because you always adapted fantastically. And it's a good challenge. It definitely. Uh, and it really makes you think outside of the box. Yeah. And um, like in Wild from Greenland, the problem I had that there was, a, when it was on stage, there was a scene in the middle where I pretty much, me and, and I was one of the actors there. Yes. And another guy, we, we took our clothes off, not completely naked, <laughs> but almost. I like jump around the stage singing in, in Greenlandic and dancing. It was like a three minutes uh, kind of physical theater, really experimental. That I have to say, some people, some friend of mine didn't like it too much. Well, one's man there, one man's art is another <laughs> man's, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, disgrace. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was amazing to do. It was so fun to do. Yeah. And when when I when I sit down to to write this as the radio play, I was like, how do I do that? Yeah. So I just completely scratch it and did right. the soundscape. Yeah. And uh, like personally, that's my favorite part of, part of the play. I I I I really am so happy how it it turned out. Yeah. Really. And you have it. you have some pieces that you put uh, like um, the singer that was great on stage and translated perfectly to to radio yeah i think it i think it went okay for radio i, I it was fantastic i thought it was it was very well received on stage and i enjoyed it. i would have loved to elaborate it on it more for stage i think the piece is maybe more than 10 15 minutes long maybe 12 minutes long i think if you could stretch it out to maybe 25 or a half an hour and have it almost like a little mini piece it could be the opening act so to speak of a main piece somewhere along the line in a theatrical sense so that's kind of how i am visions it maybe not in, in the first instance but kind of as i thought about it and i sort of we're gonna go and see if it works well enough for radio because you have the bad singer and and you have to put kind of lots of noise and emphasis on speaking voices because they're they start off kind of calm and then they, they get into this kind of argument and they're fighting them <laughs> i mean we i that for for the the festival the gareth bay festival i really just done it for a bit of crack a bit of laugh and it was almost just like an experiment i didn't go in with any kind of serious notions it really was just to put something together and see if it could kind of flow well. I mean, some of the pieces were, were you know, technically weren't great. We had, we had actors who wanted to be in it and wanted to be there for the fun of it. And they didn't have certain microphones or they didn't have 
top-notch computers yeah. and some of them don't have but I didn't care I was like people want to do this for a bit of fun and a bit of laugh let them and it's almost like a demo to me I was like if you can do it in a very rough kind of way mm-hmm. it gives you an outline and idea if you wanted to do it somewhat properly and professionally like with a, with a, in a studio in a big studio with proper microphones and actual radio actors and stuff so again it's just it's just to create a sense of an idea of, of what, poss- what the possibilities are you could you could go with it that's, that's, that's a challenge because that's something, I mean, I, I was finding interesting what you were saying about um, the technical limitations yeah. because like I, I bought this mi- microphone actually, and that's quite, this is quite good, but for yeah. yours, but most people just record it from the um, like computer audio. Exactly. And yeah, uh, and that's in the editing process. There's a lot of crackling. It's hard to get the crackling and stuff. You know, you, it's a great way because I think what with what with with the the COVID situation has put us in. It's 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 all very much a learning curve for us. And I thought even the, the, I thought that what was fantastic about the Scarif Bay Festival was it was open to people of all. Some people were quite professional, had done stuff like this before, and then others were absolute beginners. And it was amazing to see all of the pieces kind of over that six week so period. Good. So different, so good, all of them. And even though some of them weren't technically great, it didn't matter. The content was fantastic, and and, and they were interesting and engaging and. They were all really well received and it was a very interesting festival and, and fantastic. It would be great if they could do something like that in the future. I know others could do it like it. Um, Actually, give um, people a chance to, to showcase their work, you know. There was the um, award ceremony the other, the other night that they did it on Zoom. Yeah. Uh, I, were you there? Or? I couldn't make it. That was on Easter Sunday. No, no, I couldn't. I couldn't go. No, yeah, I don't know why they did it Sunday. But okay, one other thing. It was really fun. I bought a Prosecco and just drank the whole bottle. What? But hearing the guys, uh, they were saying that they want to do it uh, next year again. Oh, fantastic. And talking about building a radio play um, network. Oh, you know, a, yeah. Because, I mean, uh, I mean I'm mean, i sure uh, even after the pandemic, uh, I, I want to keep doing radio plays. Even oh, definitely. I want to do, do theater, of course. Sure. But it's such a nice side project, you know? Yeah. That's a great way because... I, once the the, the 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 stage comes back and stage sheet theatrics come back, that's great. But at the same time, we're also building up a, a, a knowledge of how to do this, so we can continue this in the future too. And it's nice to live in both worlds and have the best of both worlds. I suppose you can do maybe you'll write a piece that's more suited for stage, and and you can adapt it back and forth, or maybe exactly. you can just individually do situations for stage and situations for more radio and audio based stuff. It really is great. And even with us getting picked up on Dublin South FM as well. I mean, I do my radio show with those guys, the music show. And I was like saying, I wonder would they take a chance and maybe want to give us a go with the radio play stuff and, and the podcast. And they were absolutely delighted because they're always looking for new content and new programming. And I, they, but that was the first for them. They'd never had a situation with actual radio plays. I think they may have had a theater show in the past that was a magazine type show that lasted mm-hmm. maybe a half an hour. But to have actual audio theater being broadcast with them is fantastic too. And it's been really well received and your plays were really well received. Uh, on there too. We actually gave you tw- we gave you a spin twice. Games was played twice I in a row. So. Oh, really? On the radio, yeah. You got two two goals because what well, we had the gap. We had a bit of a gap. So I was just like, as as a producer, of, I was just saying, well, give games another spin. That they'd be here. The more people that hear it, the better. Put it in again. <laughs> but, uh, every, and there was just a lot of people were really, really, really interested in getting it because I mean, the podcast as well. The interview situations are fantastic, and that's why it's fantastic to, to follow it up with you. We've never actually done that with someone who has written a play for us or presented a play to us and then followed up the week after because the plays really do get fantastic 
feedback more so than the interview situation. And that's what's important to us more so that the plays are really kind of more important. That's the, the backbone of it because we want to provide mm-hmm. and produce theatre pieces for people. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. And just that's what I thought would be really, really interesting to kind of to get the follow up because I think because when, when people are interested in writings and plays, they always it's nice to know people like to know inspiration behind it and what made you tick and what didn't work and what worked and kind of your your way of thinking about it because I think it gives people a bit of incentive and a bit of knowledge and a bit of hope for themselves maybe if they want to continue on to do something like this somewhere. That's why we always say you know people are like a lot of people are in a situation and, and a lot of people are kind of down and. They used to write and they're like, I don't want to write anymore. And we're kind of like, no, come on, get going. At least even try because it, it <laughs> needs, people need something to, 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 you know, to get them up and moving again, motivated again. Because I'm always saying to people on this show and the other show I do, plan what you're going to do after COVID now. Don't wait for it to come around. So when it does come back around, you can just jump straight back in and be like, all right, here's the plan. We're going. We're, we're off. You know, strike while the iron's hot. At least me, you know, what's like, actually in this uh, pandemic, I'm writing a lot. It's like... Yeah. Uh, I'm really right. Like I always written a lot. Like w- when I was writing Spanish, I haven't written Spanish in a while. I was mm-hmm. writing read a lot, but um, this time I'm writing a lot of theater. And I see the reason is, uh, I mean, it's no drama. I mean, I have to say, no drama is. I'm mean, I'm so happy that I found you guys. I, I arrived uh, to Dublin. I had yeah. like nice f- four months before for pandemia, but I have the luck of of mental drama and to know that I wrote, write a play, then there's a group of really talented, great people that I can find actors here. I can find um, directors there. I can send it to court and call and it will be presented. Yeah. It's almost Uh, like a built in, in house operation we have running. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) It's, it's and then you have the scribbles for inspiration. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you have the whole system going on, you know. You just have to jump in there and, and follow the waves. It's, some, it's really amazing. It's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's my life with the, with the, during the pandemic. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel the same way. And we were, we were, you were happy to find us. We were more than happy to find Joella Angel. So the feeling is very, very mutual. Because <laughs> <laughs> we love your stuff and we love you. But... I think it is. I think it. I think it has been a lot an incentive for a lot of people because I think you, you, you've been just listening to the general news in a lot of ways, and you hear people from the entertainment and the art world, if it's theatre, music, a lot of people from different backgrounds, and it's almost like we've no job now. If it was their main, you know, way of earning a living, or even if it was something they done on mm-hmm. the side, or just some for fun, or whatever, and it's almost like they just lost all hope because it wasn't even like it was just phased out. It was like nope, gone. Like you know here today gone tomorrow and they're like what, what what's going to happen what would we do and i remember i was felt like that myself and i was kind of like well it'll slowly slowly come back and then I, that's what we were talking about in one of the um the workshops recently with dave he was saying have people kind of lost their creative touch a little bit or were they a bit kind of struggling creative creatively and i kind of at the time kind of said well no, no not really and it's only when i said this to andre too when he was on the last podcast it was only at the beginning when i talked back when i actually said at the beginning of the lockdown i was very I kind of let it kind of slide a little bit because I think people were just in a bit of a state of shock and didn't know what to do. But thank God it came back. So, <laughs> and we have we have a vehicle. We have some kind of vehicle at least to to, to you know. I mean, move I, on I, with it. I I agree that yeah, of course, is that this. I mean, it sucks that yeah. <laughs> uh, we cannot go on stage. That that uh, yeah, we cannot go for a bit. I mean, so many bad things. Sure, right? sure. But but for me, what. And I think I thought about this when I did the boxes. Like then yeah. that was in May. That means it was two months on to the the beginning of the lockdown. 
Yeah, almost a year ago. Yeah, full year, yeah. Yeah. When we thought it was going to be a short thing. Yeah. So my, my what I thought is that this is this is a historical moment. I mean, something like this that's happening right now. I mean, it's a mo- moment where we are all like uh, worldwide joined by this this uh, experience, right? Yeah. And of course, this this uh, affect us as writers, as actors. We mm-hmm. we put that. I mean, how couldn't we, right? We put sure, that in what we do. And if you put that together with uh, internet and the, f- the fact that we can reach so many people from our home, is that this pandemic is like a unique opportunity for producing unique material yeah. and reach people in such a, um, such a, I mean, so, so close, you know, mm-hmm. because we are all experience the same. So, for me, is that is that that is that this is a, no, a unique opportunity for producing, like theater art, yeah, music, oh, absolutely, whatever, you know, definitely, definitely. And I mean, it's 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 an alternative way, definitely. So in a way, we're lucky to live in the age of technology to be able to do this. If this was only maybe twenty years ago, we wouldn't be able to do. Maybe to a degree, we would have been able to do something digitally, but it wouldn't have been the same. <laughs> so the advances and the advantage there. You know, the ball is in air court. It's, it's for us to play with, definitely. We have a lot of material to kind of work with it. And it's just getting the adaption. It's just the social side of it and the interaction side of it that sometimes falls short. But look, it will come back. We have to keep positive and it will just hone, hone our craft yes. even more. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I want to talk to you a little bit about your book, Alejandro, because you could, yeah, this is a chance for you to plug it. Now, I've, 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 I've heard you kind of talk about it, but maybe let the other Brother. listeners maybe hear about it. He has, a, he has a copy of it in front of me. They won't see it. And we do have listeners in a lot of Spanish-speaking countries <laughs> as well, so they'll be able to, to, to be able to buy it. All. So please do tell me about the book. So this is a book, uh, it's in Spanish, called El Hombre Artificial. That means the artificial man, like the artificial man. And actually, this is done with the Spanish um, publishing house called France. Oh. And it's the, the my second book with them. Oh, like excellent. The first one, yeah. The first one was I think three years ago, four years ago, and has twelve short stories. And I wrote most most of the short stories in Berlin. In okay. Berlin, I I, uh, I was doing a um, a workshop, a weekly workshop with uh, someone called Samantha Schweblin. Okay. And I recommend. She's one of the best writers of our generation in Latin America. Mm-hmm. She has books like, like people write this down, like Fever Dream, Mouthful of Birds, and Kentucky. I don't know if Kentucky is in English. Um, yeah, it wasn't amazing. It was like two, three years I was going to this class, getting feedback, rewriting these books. Yeah. And it's, it's something like you say. It definitely has some surrealist uh, and magic realism elements. Yeah, and there's a lot of this. Like the beginning is like it's divided in three parts. Okay, the first part is short stories that involve um, childhood with some horror elements without being mm-hmm. horror. Okay, um, like for example, there's a, a bit of that went to games. Okay, this, um, I love kids as characters. Yeah. They are because of the fact that they are they are they are, they are maybe because they are innocent. So mm-hmm. the, the the reader or the answer really like put something on them. You know, you see a kid and you assume certain things. 
Yeah. So you can play with the expectation of the of the audience. Sure. The, the problem that in theater is that I didn't knew any kid <laughs> who wanted <laughs> to perform. Uh, uh, but okay, in games, I went around with the whole sure, sure. flashback thing. Yeah. And um, and yeah, and yeah, the second part is more about um, more. For example, there's one short story that I love. It is called Paternidad. That is, that is paternity. Okay. It's about the guy who goes visits a baby, and the babies try to grow, start to grow until it's big as a house and eat the parents. And I got to be father soon. So <laughs> that's quite, uh, and, and yeah, the, one, the last one is a bit um, meta. Okay. Uh, with, with the, something I read, I also did a theater, but did will the characters became, that become aware of their own condition of characters. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely, if you read it, you will see. Parallels. I'm definitely going to try. I'm going to. I'm going to get it. And I'll, I'll, if I have to translate it myself, I'm going. To, um, <laughs> I, I will. Um, definitely. And definitely, people check out. Any cha- any plans for yourself? I know it's hard and difficult in the publishing world, and it's expensive to do it self-published boys. Any plans to maybe publish an English edition or an English version? <laughs> um, I tried translating the one or two of the short stories, but it's so difficult to translate. It is, I know. Like, yeah. even, even I, I try to translate place in English to Spanish. Yeah. But is that each, each language has their own music. Sure. So it's all uniqueness. Or you translate things get lost. the music. Yeah. Lost, literally lost translate the translation. Or you translate yeah. The, yeah. the meaning, you know, you cannot yeah. have both. Yeah, but it's cool that you can adapt them and put put some elements into pieces like games and boxes and and, and the other pieces you've done. So 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 the, the team almost still shines through on it. That's yeah, it's like we say, like I'm just writing the same story all over and over again. I hope yeah. that people won't realize. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you can you can rework situations and rework stories and find as we were talking about earlier and get something new out of it. Definitely. I want to say congratulations on being nominated for an award for Wine from Greenland with the Clear Drama Radio Festival for Scarif Bay. Alejandro was shortlisted. You did not win, but it didn't matter. Being nominated was just an honour as well. So hopefully you will be nominated for other awards. Definitely. You definitely deserve it. And definitely. Yeah, that was. Speaks for itself. First time time you were nominated for anything. Yeah. First time I went to uh, like an award show or whatever. That's fine. Absolutely, and definitely. That. So it's the first of many, hopefully, because uh, it really was fantastic and, and really great. It's, it's great, just great to see. I was very proud. I was, I was very proud. I was like, well, Alejandro's nominated. For this. this is fantastic. Like you know, it, it's it's wonderful because at least you know it's not an event. Not that you want to do it for glory or awards or you know, but it, you, it's nice to have ones we appreciate and, and acknowledge and, and say, you know what, you're you're glad people enjoyed it and and, and like I, I mean. A lot of, if not like most of the of the credit goes to Lisa, Rahul, and Andre that they were like amazing. Absolutely fantastic. They are great, and they were great in your piece as well, and they're all fantastic. And we give a shout out to Terry as well. We did mention Terry earlier, but Terry directed. Um, oh, they games. are for games, yeah. But Terry yeah. was fantastic. Oh, yeah. His direction was was really really wonderful too. And what's next for Alejandro on the play front? Okay, uh, I have a play called Vox. Without giving too much away. <laughs> we, we want to keep the listeners in, in, in the suspenseful. Yeah, yeah, true. We don't want to. Uh, <laughs> it's like, um, it's not a radio play. It's a Zoom play. Kind of okay. <laughs> um, 
Uh, it's written. I, I already had the script. Now I'm looking for actors. I'm talking with someone who might direct, but okay. still we're still talking, so yeah. I don't want to give any names. What about yourself? Um, You're gonna direct now? No, I I have first. I, I I prefer to act. Yeah, and I don't I don't think I am able to direct and act. Nonsense. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to do. It's it's difficult, but it, it's it, it can be done if, if you need to be. I do it as a last resort sometimes. If I can't get people to fill in, like if we can't get people in in the act, <laughs> or they back out for whatever reason, they're busy, and they can, I just jump in, especially if it's a small part. But it, it's hard to do because you have to focus so much on the other actors that you're directing. You almost forget about yourself, and it's kind of just like I'll just do it. And it's, sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. It's something that it can trip you up. So for people out there, be careful. <laughs> My only experience as directing was with one from Greenland with a radio play, yeah. and I found it so difficult. I mean, I think only because I mean, I think that, to be honest, Andre, Rahul, and Lisa did most of the work because I, I didn't know what I was doing. You think that, but no, everyone was a team effort, and, and you know, as a, as a director, the actor, you, the actors need someone to to look for whether you, whether you know it or not, or think it or not. They are there because of you, and you chose them as the director, and they are following your direction in in the acting that you laid out for them so so it's, yeah, so uh, they, it, it works both ways you know great casting yeah i just yeah. thought it, which is key in in and <laughs> for being a good director is, is, is key to the casting actually that's but, true yeah. but fox anyway when when can we expect and hope to see that so vox uh, the plan is probably star rehearsals on may great and i'm thinking two months of by the beginning of july we should uh, we should have that I think we'll do something similar to what we do uh, with boxes. Okay. May on 30. So we will um, stream it uh, on YouTube. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I will be performing there, not directing. Not directing. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I already, um, actually, that one, I know. I was thinking if that was starting scribbles. So that did start in scribbles. But. <laughs> I put it up there and I got really good feedback and I rewrite it a lot thanks to Scribble. So, um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a fun one. It also a bit surrealistic because, of course. It's Alejandro, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not though? Absolutely. You definitely work and keep it going. And as again, it fits into it. It's almost like you have a collection of these wonderful pieces. It, 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 it really is marvelous, I have to say. Um, so we look forward to that hopefully in the summer. So keep, keep, keep the calendars set for that and keep yes, a memory set for that as well because I know people are going to want to see that. A lot of people enjoyed box and boxes and the shindig stuff, especially with the visual stuff you've done. So they 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 want nothing more to see this too. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm really looking forward to too. Great, Alejandro. Before I let you go, if you want to plug anything or mention anything about writing, acting, directing, theatre, anything you want, please do. Please feel free to speak your mind on it now. Uh, I, I only will say that to encourage people to to start writing radio plays, and once you have a, a, a first draft, so start looking for people. I mean. In no drama, you will find actors. Of course. And you will find someone who wants to direct. You will find someone and you will have something to to send to, to court and calls. So I will do like, like go for it. And it's fun. And everybody's looking forward to, 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 to hear a new radio plays. Excellent. No, here, here. 
I second that. And I want to say thank you again for joining me on this evening's podcast. Always a pleasure. Always a wonderful guest. You're a very interesting person. Wonderful writer. Fantastic, you know, just composer of, of all ideas and, and plays and, and wonderful stuff, really. It's so interesting. You're a deep soul. I always say that about you. You know, you're, you're a deep, deep person, deep sea soul. And, and in personal terms, a, a lovely human being and a gentleman. So it's always an honor to speak with you and always an honor to have you as a guest on here. And you're welcome back anytime you want. Congratulations on being nominated Thank for the award. Me. Good luck with the book, as they say in Father's Head. Good luck with the book. It's going to be fantastic. And I know a lot of people are going to want to see it. I would definitely recommend people to check it out. Even if you're going to read it in Spanish, chill, brush up on your Spanish, become bilingual, or if not, translate yourself and just get an idea and feel for it. Uh, and please check it's out. Language. Absolutely. Check out Wine from Greenland. It is available on uh, the streaming services as part of Court Call and games as well. And you can check that games out on the Scarif Bay Festival too, still on their podcast station. So if you want to get the downloads in there, please do. Just good luck for the future. And we can't wait to see what's coming up next with Fox. Thanks a lot. Thanks for inviting me. I always have so much fun. I, I, I listen to the, to the podcast. I, I actually, I never listen to podcasts uh, because in Spanish it's not so popular until I started with Curtain Call. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a highlight. Just go for a walk in the park. Especially now that it's nice weather and listen to. I Absolutely. really enjoy like like conversation with Andre. That was really fun. Oh, thank you. We will send on there. Very, very nice. Kudos to Andre as well. And we'll wish you good luck and good night. Thanks, Alejandro. A big thank you again to Alejandro for sitting down and joining me for a conversation on this edition of Court and Call. Episode 13. I can't believe we're on 13 episodes already. But we are receiving some fantastic feedback and great responses all over the world. We are now heard in 38 countries. That list is growing quite rapidly. can't believe that either. So thank you to all of the listeners and all of the people who downloaded the podcast. Not only in the last while, but over the last six months. really is great to know that we have some people that are listening and that they're enjoying the content as well. Really, really great. Keep the downloads coming. As I said, we're almost at a 1,000 downloads, so that's fantastic as well. And, of course, if you do have ideas or want to present a script for review, please do so. You can do it at contact at nodramatheatre.com. We look forward to receiving scripts from all of you. We really enjoy the content as well. What else? Uh, Tuesday workshops are back we took a little break they are commencing every tuesday now at seven o'clock on tuesday evenings please join us check out the social media platforms for details not only on the workshops the podcast bring your own lights and all of no dramas endeavors we are looking forward to the forthcoming next few weeks and months as well because we have some exciting stuff happening and of course we want you all to be a part of it thank you once again for joining us Big thank you to Alejandro once more. Can't thank him enough. He really is a wonderful writer. Please do check out his book, El Hombre Artificial. That's The Artificial Man. You can buy it on Amazon and any other online sites, I would imagine, as well. Don't forget to listen to Games and Wine from Greenland on the streaming platforms as well. And look out for Fox, which will be advertised on the No Drama streaming platforms in the coming months as well. Nothing more else to say. Keep yourselves well, stay safe, and peace out.